Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins fans, and welcome into the Tuesday, July the 9th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the NFL supplemental draft is tomorrow, and the Dolphins were in attendance for the workout of one player. We'll discuss that and talk a lot about analytics on this episode, things the Dolphins can learn from their division rival, and readily available improvements that can be made just by adhering to some simple data. Plus, we know about phase one of the rebuild, and that part is just about complete. But what comes next? We've got that and a lot more. But first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, Google Play, Tuned In, wherever you get your podcasts from. And also be sure to follow me on Twitter. The handle is at WingfieldNFL, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter as voted by Dolphins Twitter. And of course, the show at Locked On Fins, as well as the website LockedOnDolphins.com. We have Jason Harina's piece taking a look at Kenyon Drake's potential this season. Kevin Dern's defensive concerns piece is still up there. And we have plenty more content coming down the pipeline for you guys, as well as the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. I have a huge script for this show. Let's go ahead and jump right in. And first off the top of the show, we have to report the update on Kendrick Norton. He was upgraded to stable condition over the weekend, but he posted to his Instagram early on Monday morning a picture of him giving a thumbs up with the message, I'm good. Thank you to everyone that checked on me. I'm good. Thanks for the prayers. So it's great to see the big guy in good spirits following his tragic accident, but it sounds like he's going to make it out on the other side okay, albeit without a football career, but at least he still has his life and some optimism going for him right now. And as it always is, a very difficult transition to move into football after a grim topic like that. But that's what we do here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And we've got another draft day coming down the pipeline tomorrow. The supplemental draft is tomorrow, Wednesday at 1 o'clock Eastern. And per Tony Pauline, the Dolphins were one of, well, 26 teams that were present for Jalen Thompson's workout. The former Washington State Cougar, go Cougs, at the workout. He hit a 33.5-inch vertical, a 10-foot, 4-inch broad jump, explosive metrics there. He ran a 4.4740. He was 4.61 in the short shuttle. And he put down a 6.97 in the three-cone time. All impressive times and testing metrics. Pauline says that Thompson had a fourth-round grade if he would have declared this year for the 2019 NFL Draft. And he expects him to be selected at tomorrow's supplemental draft sometime within the fourth or fifth or one of the late rounds of that draft. And with two fourth-round picks in their pocket and a rather underwhelming safety class coming down the pipeline, both in free agency and in the draft when you go outside of the top, top guys like Grand Delpit, for instance. And I don't think the Dolphins are in a position to go after that position when you consider the quarterback need, the receivers, the defensive ends, and how good those positions are in this coming draft class. 
This just makes a ton of sense to me. He's kind of a hybrid safety nickel cornerback type. And I know that Bobby McCain is here and he's going back to safety and Minka Fitzpatrick can basically do everything. But the Dolphins defense needs guys like this, especially in a safety group that is overall lacking right now. And I think that Jalen Thompson has a chance to become a good free safety in the National Football League. Other news, this is a personal news for me here. I've officially booked my tickets to training camp, the flight, the Airbnb. I'm going to be there for a long time, guys. I found a very nice looking Airbnb in Hollywood. I know some of you might say that's a bit of an oxymoron, but my plan is to spend the entire morning at camp and at practices at the facility in Davie. And this runs from day number one on July 25th all the way through the team scrimmage on Saturday, August the 3rd at Hard Rock Stadium. But after those practices every day, I'm going to head back to the homestead, get the podcast and the write-ups for LockedOnDolphins.com done for the day. And then I'm going to have each night all to myself down in South Florida to do whatever I please. Frankly, most nights I'll probably just be hanging out by the pool, but I'd love to catch up with some of you guys, whether you want to grab a beer, get some dinner, come over and chill and talk about some football, maybe even watch some All-22. I mean, that sounds like a good time to me. Or we can even catch a practice together. Let me know what you want to do. I'm going to be there July 24th through August 3rd. Get at me on Twitter, at NFL. I'd love to make as many rounds as possible and get to know some of you great fans that support the podcast and allow me to do this for a living. So let's make that happen. And as for the training camp reports themselves, I still find there to be a relatively large gap and disconnect from actual play style reporting. Now, I know there are some restrictions the beat guys aren't allowed to report on, and there's really no good quote-unquote, from-the-fans type of training camp reporter that I've seen on the Twitter streets. So my hope is to fill that void and be that connection for all you guys, my ears and eyes on the ground in Davie, Florida, and get you the most transparent reports on the Dolphins' 2019 training camp that there is. I'll most likely spend most of the day focusing on the quarterback battle, who licks sharper, but also who commands the huddle and how do they interact with their teammates. I want to see how the backs and receivers are used, particularly Albert Wilson, and is he healthy, how he's moving, and of course, I want to see the defensive looks. I know practice can be a bit overwhelming with things going on, but I should have some confidants with me there, as well as in the form of LockedOnDolphins.com writers and some other friends who I've discussed this trip with as well. That'll be coming to you guys on July 25th, all the way through the scrimmage on Saturday, August the 3rd. And starting on tomorrow's podcast, we're going to preview each position group up to the first day of training camp. And next on the podcast, we're going to return and take a deeper dive into the Dolphins analytics of 2018 versus 2019. But first, the numbers are in here and they are saying that you got to get blue chew because I'm no mathematician, but going from six to midnight requires doubling your output. And what better way to help double your horizontal performance than with blue chew? Listen up, guys. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, training camp, scrimmage, game day, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, 
No more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy, and right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. You guys know that the bread and butter of my coverage on this Miami Dolphins football team here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, comes from film study. Nothing will ever tell you more on a player or a scheme or a team than how they perform on the All-22, and nothing that we can invent will ever replace that. Burning the midnight oil is still the only way to have the best grasp on the game, and anytime you take a shortcut, it's going to show up in your reporting and in your work. The most football I ever learned personally was the summer of 2017 when I created 3rdand10.com, where I graded every single throw by every single starting quarterback in the National Football League, and it was amazing what I could divulge from the entire offense just by watching the quarterback's performance, who excelled against certain coverages, what kind of concepts was that team running, which routes were the best for those receivers, which linemen were liabilities. Man, that was a fun summer taking a look at all that stuff when I had that time. And rest in peace, 3rdand10.com, though your sacrifice basically brought me to LockedOnDolphins.com, so I'm not too bummed out about it. But there's also a very, very strong place in the league for analytics, and you guys know that I've been promoting this Warren Sharp season preview magazine, or more of a book, I should say, and that's not a paid promotion. That's entirely on my own accord. This thing is packed full of information. In fact, it's pretty overwhelming. I even told my wife that the data in here is overwhelming, and she literally tells me that it's nice to hear that someone else can teach me about football because she thinks that I always have all the answers. I just found that adorable, and that may be the case in her mind, but trust me, I learn football from people every single day, people like Warren Sharp, but I digress, and I wanted to compare some of Miami's analytical data to what the Patriots have been doing or did last season, and I think that with four coaches now on Miami staff from the Patriots, it's safe to assume that we'll be adopting some of their principles, a lot of their principles, and styles of attack in this league. And let's start here. The league is 53% after first down incompletions. That was not the case for the Dolphins. They were lower than that average at 49%, not trusting the quarterback, not trusting the passing game, going more back to the run, trying to get yourself back on schedule and get yourself into a third and seven, a third and six, where then, as far as the analytics go, by NFL average, your chance on third and six or longer of converting is lower than 30%, where on third and short, it becomes better than 60%. But after first down incompletions, the Dolphins ran the ball more than they passed it. The Patriots threw the ball rather 69% on second down and 10 after an incompletion. That is the play that you should run every single time, regardless of what anyone says about establishing the run or getting yourself back on schedule. The analytics completely back it up. And I think that's a big area the Dolphins can improve upon in 2019 and beyond. 
This next one, a huge one. Inside the five-yard line, the passing game has a success rate of 30%. So you're going to bat 300 if you pass the ball inside the five-yard line. And what that success rate is measured on is early down success rate, where achieving 40% of the yards needed to gain on first down is a success, 60% is a success on second down, and of course, 100% on third and fourth down. So you're going to bat 300 if you pass the ball in those situations, whereas if you run it, the league has has an average success rate of 65%, more than double the success rate if you run the ball inside the five-yard line. And that's what the Patriots did. They ran the hell out of the football. They ran it to the tune of 67% of the time on plays inside the five-yard line, once again, trumping the Dolphins' measurement at that spot as well. Also, the running backs, very vital and integral to this Patriots attack. The Patriots targeted running backs 31% of their pass plays, and James White led the Patriots in red zone pass targets. We saw Kenyon Drake get some work in the passing game last year in the red zone, and he made plays, he scored touchdowns, he extended drives, got the Dolphins into first and 10 and first and goal situations. I just have to imagine that. We know that Brian Flores told Kenyon Drake to watch James White film to get a better idea of his role in this offense. It just feels like that's a very, very, very easy transition to make from James White to Kenyon Drake in this new offense. And also another eye-popping stat using the running backs once again. The Patriots went towards running backs 33% of early down plays, they targeted running backs. So one out of every three passing plays on first or second down, the Patriots threw the ball to a running back, whether it was Rex Burkhead, James Devlin, James White, or even Sony Michelle. They threw the ball to running backs, made them part of the game plan. And what that tells me based upon film study and trying to get yourself on schedule to make these completions to get you into those second and short plays is that the Patriots are going to find a matchup. They're going to flex the running back out wide and they're going to throw him a simple five-yard hitch route. He falls forward, picks up seven yards. Next thing you know, it's second and three, and you're already on track to move the chains and get the ball down the field. Throw the ball to the running backs. Those early down matchups against base defense are going to be favorable for you every time, especially when you've got Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balazs, two guys very adept at running pass targets out wide as wide receivers. And another one, some more interesting information from this Warren Sharp 2019 NFL Preview Magazine here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network was how run-heavy the Patriots were on those second down and short plays. Once they got them, they value first downs. The Patriots ran the ball on second and short 73% of the time, where Miami ran the ball just 53% of the time. That ranked 30th in the NFL. And I think this kind of goes into the Madden line of thinking. Like, I have a second and one or a second and two. So I'm going to take the deep play action shot because I know that I can come back on third down and convert. And that really just isn't how it works in the real world. And the Patriots have proven that time and time again, that picking up first downs with high percentage and high frequency rates outweighs the minimal opportunity you have to make a big play on those second and two, second and one plays, taking shots down the field. And to coincide with all of this, the Dolphins pass the ball on second and short, the second most of any team in the National Football League. They wanted the big play. This new scheme will focus instead on moving the chains. So whether you like that or not, 
I think that's how it's going to be. Just pick up first downs and let the rest take care of itself. Some other interesting notes from this magazine. The Dolphins wide receiver group had the second highest missed games due to injury rate in all of the National Football League. The offensive line was number one and the quarterback was number four. None of that any good. Adam Gage truly did have a have an argument for saying that injuries were a major reason for his failures, although other analytics suggest otherwise. Basically, it was a perfect shitstorm for failure last year, and it's pretty much a miracle the fact that Miami won seven games. And the last note I want to make on this comes from the positional spending allocation of dollars towards certain groups of players. We know that Mike Tannenbaum's roster construction and salary allocation was strange, to say the least, but the truth remains that they will spend money on the positions, every team will, that they value the most. Miami wanted to get leads with the Gaze offense and then let a bunch of edge rushers tee off, which sounds kind of funny in hindsight, doesn't it? But this coincides with the rising concern over Miami's own, for lack of a better term, their lack of concern with its own pass rush. Right now, under Brian Flores, New England's positional allocation is as follows. They have the 24th highest paid offensive line in football. Most of those guys not highly regarded by salary allocation, except for Shaq Mason, who got a big five-year contract. They're probably going to let Joe Tooney walk the left guard, but everybody else is cheap and undrafted or late-round draft picks that are there on rookie contracts and succeeding. They also have the fifth highest paid running back stable, so we know they value you running backs, the 26th highest paid defensive line, so they don't care too much about the pass rush up front, and the second highest paid safety group in all of the National Football League. This scheme is driven by the backs on offense, the safeties on defense, and it's all made possible by a cerebral quarterback, great offensive line coaching, and well-timed disguises and blitzes from the defense. Will all of that come to Miami? We'll see, but I think this stuff really confirms all the months of speculating we've done here on the podcast talking about the shape and the look of this football team under Brian Flores. And speaking of that, we're going to come back on the podcast on the other side and take a look at the crystal ball. You've heard me talk about this rebuild all offseason long at length, and we are finished with subset one of phase one of the rebuild. But when does the rebuild actually begin to give Dolphins fans some returns, some ROI? We'll discuss that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. Some of you may have seen a, I suppose, an involvement in some Twitter beef going back and forth between myself and another host of another Dolphins podcast. I wouldn't call it beef or fighting, though it was construed that way by some. And I wanted to start this topic off, or this segment, I should say, off with a personal message over something that I have spent a lot of time thinking about and developing this thought process. And it's somewhat related to how I was able to figure out that I needed to stay away from politics on Twitter, on the podcast, like the men's versus women's soccer thing. Do I have an opinion on that? Yes, I do. But I'll never put myself in a position where an opinion can ruin me, not in today's world where everything you say you have to be careful of. So this is my vow 
to refrain from Twitter beefs. They make me feel uncomfortable as it is, and no matter how strong the urge to defend myself when I think I've been wronged, it never ever produces a winning or good feeling in the end. I like the positive interactions and keeping things upbeat, and this is how I will try to hold myself accountable from here on forward. My goal is to continue to provide you the best Miami Dolphins coverage and nothing more than that on the podcast, on Twitter, anywhere else, except for some jokes, some pop culture references and whiskey and that kind of thing. But no more beefs, no more arguing, all going to be positive from this guy going forward. And I want you guys to help me stay accountable to that idea. Let's go ahead and get back into the football and talk about this topic that I've been kicking around for a little bit the past few days about phase one and the continued phases of this rebuild. Now we know that phase one of this rebuild is complete already, at least the portion that executes the plan before the real on-field execution has to begin. And they'll have to execute again next offseason for Phase 1 to be considered a success. The 12 picks, the unlimited spending potential in the front office with free agency, I think we mostly agree that a lot of that money will go to their own guys or future budgeting, rolling some cap money over. I just don't see it in Greer or especially in Brian Flores' character to overspend on the open market. And in fact, if you go back to Warren Sharp's blurb about the Patriots, that's what makes them so far advanced from the rest of the league. They go out and let Trey Flowers walk. They don't have to pay $17 million per year for a player and they get a third round draft pick in exchange and they use a fifth round pick to exchange for Michael Bennett. So they get a minor drop off with a similar player with significantly less, like 10 times less salary and they get a third round pick and have to lose a fifth round pick in the process. The exact same thing is true of the Trent Brown swap. Warren Sharp loves the way they did that, and why wouldn't he? That's the model this Dolphins team wants to follow. So I want to list three things the Dolphins must do in Phase 1, two subsets of Phase 1, and Phase 2 with the same two subsets, and ultimately Phase 3, which will all occur and culminate in the 2021 offseason. And phase one, the first subset of phase one, so point 1A, if you will, that's complete. We know about that. The trade capital acquisitions and removing bad contracts off the books. Success. Good job. You've achieved this checkpoint. On to the next one, which is point 1B, subset 2 of phase 1. And this is the on-field portion. And this can go in so many directions. And I talked about things we can search for regarding positive signs to take away from a challenging season or one that we expect to be challenging. And these kind of go in the same vein as that article and podcast from last week. And number one there is establishing a true difference maker at the skill positions. I think that's something this offense has lacked for a long time and right now still kind of does. Whether it's Kenyon Drake, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, whoever you want to put in that role, the Dolphins would be wise or it would be beneficial to this team to figure out a guy they can rely on on third downs. The guy that gets the football in the clutch moments. Let's try to identify that guy if he's on the roster this year and if not, We'll go attack it next year. Number two is to receive progress from three players, three or more players, with two plus years of club control remaining on their contract. I'm talking about Minka Fitzpatrick, Christian Wilkins, Michael Dieter, we'll throw him in there, Mike Kosicki. The Dolphins need to push more players into this realm of blue chip potential or full-blown blue chip status, and it starts with them becoming plus starters, which we know Minka Fitzpatrick is. Christian Wilkins can be that. Can Mike Kosicki get that? Can Michael Dieter get there? Let's get three of these guys into plus starter territory 
and then maybe we can see about becoming blue chips down the road. Number three here is get some clarity at the quarterback position. Is Josh Rosen the guy? Is he worth or is he worthy, rather, of competing for the job next year? Or is he just a cheap backup that you happen to spend a second-round draft pick on? Find out that answer in 2019. Then there's Phase 2, and Subset 1 of Phase 2 is the same as this year. Continue to manipulate the draft board with trades, compensatory picks, spend frugally on the open free agent market, take care of your own guys. I trust they can do that. That part's mostly pretty easy, but then subset two is to see those same players from phase one really flourish and take off into that blue chip realm, not just show progress and become competent starters, but let's get guys that are in the discussion for top 10 players at their position. This front office is giving the staff dudes. Now it's the staff's job to make sure those dudes turn into star players, consistently restocking the cupboards and maintaining a successful pipeline. That's how you get to Steven Ross's ultimate vision for a consistently sustained playoff caliber football team. Then that's when 2021 comes along. The year that I think we're all anticipating as most as Dolphins fans. Let's assume that Kenyon Drake is a playmaking running back on a second contract. Let's say that Mike Kosicki is a 12-touchdown, 800-yard tight end. You've got Dieter, and let's go ahead and just pull a UDFA, Shaq Calhoun. Let's say those two guys are full-fledged road graders on the offensive line. On defense, you've got Christian Wilkins, who's getting up close to double-digit sacks every year. Minka Fitzpatrick gets the publicity that Derwin James gets as an all-pro caliber player. Raekwon McMillan and Jerome Baker, they're the next Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright. So you've got your own homegrown nucleus established guys that you drafted, that you developed, that are part of the program and part of the long-term future that you will make sure they're paid and taken care of accordingly. Now, in 2021, when you've developed this, that's when it's time to push your chips into the middle of the table. Phase number three, do what the Seahawks did when they took off with Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett and Percy Harvin, even though he didn't work out. But the idea was to add those big time pieces that were available to the strong nucleus they already had. That's when free agency can provide a boon the same way it did with the Rams, with Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters and Brandon Cooks. That's the plan. That's how you get there. It's not easy. It's probably not even likely, but that's the ideal vision for how this team not only makes a run in 2021, but finally, finally becomes the consistent powerhouse that we knew this team to be before the turn of the 21st century. Okay, and I think that's a great spot to end things on for this edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And a kind reminder to each of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that rating. Leave us that review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. And keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.